Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure to welcome co-host Russell Hanby here to the umpteenth What's Making News. Welcome to the umpteenth What's Making News, Russell Hanby. Thanks, Henry. How are you today? I'm well. We had to laugh. Remember the day I got you to check out what umpteenth meant? Yeah, yeah about 18 months ago. We yeah. Did, yeah. What, do you still remember what it meant? Oh, it was a pretty vague general thing. Uh, uh, just... Uh, not particularly, but uh, I think it, um, teeth means 10 plus whatever, you know, yeah. like 13th means 10 plus 3, so it's just a, a generic name, I guess, for a, a number of items, you know. Yes, there was nothing really particularly exciting about the meaning, it didn't have some, you know, long term ago, time ago, <clears throat> other meaning, it's just something which just, yeah, came out of that, it was quite quite a boring explanation but it did make sense anyway here we are for the umpteenth <laughs> what's making news um the age russell andrews pays for teaching degrees uh, can we start again i just need to make another call we'll stop yes. there and start again damn it yes russell the age has an interesting piece andrews pays for teaching degrees victorians studying to become public high school teachers will have their degrees and living costs subsidized by the state government but the education union and opposition say the payments won't be enough to address chronic workforce shortages. Now, you're a former teacher, and I know you keep an eye on these things. What's your, what do you make of this? Well, it reminded me back of the old days of even studentship days, which I went through, and probably you did too, I imagine, mm. where, where we actually got paid for going along as well as not having to pay any fees, of course, to the universities in those days on the studentship. Um, but anyway, and this is a sort of follows on the, the nurses, I believe, had a similar recruitment uh, by this method. They're, they're paid to uh, graduate, really. Students will get $18,000 for a four year undergraduate program or $9,000 for two years of post graduate studies if they commit to teaching in state secondary schools for at least two years. Uh, now it, it covers the gap from a Commonwealth supported pla uh, place at the university mm. where on average the Commonwealth apparently pays about $13,800 per one year of a Bachelor of Education degree and students pay about 4000 But even students without this uh, will also be eligible for the state's funding. Now it starts next year and the year after to benefit about 4000 for students who enrol in the teaching degree. Now, the Australian Education Union says as many as 2,600 jobs are needed to be filled and a Cabinet Minister said that the uh, announcement was partly in response to Friday's school staff protests at State Parliament. Um, uh, now, Justin Mullally of the Victorian Australian Education Union said the government needed to do more to retain existing staff who were leaving either full-time or part-time leaving and, and were facing burnout. So uh, that's, a, that's the other angle to that, isn't it? Yes, and of course there's another angle which uh, has been pursued and I've sort of been talking about it, Russell, and that is why is this only for secondary teachers when the primary sector also is struggling to both attract, retain uh, and, and keep uh, and retain uh, teachers? So we've got a shortage too and it doesn't make a lot of sense to focus on the secondary education side of things. Um, and neglect the primary side because if we're not getting you know quali enough quality teachers and keeping them, uh, it's it's not going to help at the secondary school having these teachers if the kids turn up there and they haven't had what they should have as the the education. The horse will have bolted to some degree, and it's always much harder to catch up than get them in the foundation uh, years. Russell. 
Yes, I don't know whether it's because I know in recent weeks that you've heard more about secondary school with the subject teachers not being available. Maybe it's because they sort of made a lot more noise about uh, various subjects missing out. And uh, but I don't, as you say, it's uh, just as important for the primary uh, area, isn't it, to to get more teachers? Yeah, and and. We have a shortage too. It's not like uh, there's an awful lot of teachers and the bucket's full. Uh, they could uh, they could certainly do the whole sector uh, a lot of credit and, and help by having the entire primary and secondary school teacher system having that support, which, as you and I both know, the studentships they used to be called in our day, and it didn't matter if you went to primary or secondary. They viewed the system as a whole, not as this part's doing better or worse than that part. The other thing is... If you're thinking of being a teacher um, and, and money comes into this, it, it's not going to encourage people to go to primary teaching uh, if they're going to find that it's going to be financially beneficial for them to go to secondary. No, that's right. If they've got the choice, which they would have at the end, say, of year 12, isn't it? It's You've got a carrot to go to one division and nothing for the other. Mm. And, and, and it will, of course, it will draw worse. I guess some you get more people who would go to secondary who would have perhaps gone to primary if they had the same incentive. Yeah, look, a holistic approach rather than, you know, plugging holes here and there. That's been too much the problem for a long time in uh, particularly EBAs and other things. One part of the profession benefits at cost to other parts and uh, at the end of the day, uh, the whole system has always got one hole being plugged or benefited and another one not a classic example would be when casual relief teachers Russell got a really good substantial pay rise and they deserved it but today we find that um, people want to go more to casual teaching uh, part-time casual relief teaching than ever used to and they can earn pretty good money in relation to on the daily rate a teacher who's in there full-time so uh, and the other teachers at that time missed out so I think if you give one part a boost you need to give the other part a boost too, it, uh, or it, it just makes for what we have um, aspects of a lopsided profession. Does that make mm. sense? It does, and because of this, you, you tend to be more lopsided, you think, with the effect of it, wouldn't it, as, in time? Well, exactly, Russell. Um, and I remember there was a time when they gave top-of-the-range 2.6 teachers a $10,000 bonus because it was too flat a career structure. Of course, that meant that they were then very close to leading teachers who then thought, well, what's the point of being a leading teacher? Because they've just caught up 10000 on us, and we've got these extra responsibilities. More recently, they've felt that graduates don't get enough to come in, so they've boosted the graduates, which, of course, is great, but without the top end moving... The graduates are now closer to the 2.6 teachers, the top of the range teachers, and you've got back to the compression, which was what they were addressing a couple of agreements ago. Uh, exactly the point, and principles have been over the journey in exactly the same boat. Uh, I, I don't think we've had a holistic approach to keep relative um, space between and relative incremental increases across from one end to the other, including casual relief teachers. And that's just another aspect of the challenge that we have. And do you think uh, if some of these teachers may well leave after the two years? Do you think that'll create another problem? Or well, I wonder, I wonder how what proportion will leave after they've done their minimum time. Well, I was talking to someone about this the other day, a person with a... <laughs> a rather Monty Python 
Pythonish, uh, yes, Prime Minister type of humour. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, the, and the person said to me, <laughs> unless you guys fix up the pay differential now in Victoria, because Victorian teachers got 8% over compounding over four years, New South Wales have now leapfrogged to a significant amount more uh, than that for teachers. Um, the young people of today are far more mobile far more prepared to do to move and seek what for them is the best situation and uh, he said to me you'll probably get a letter from the uh, New South Wales teachers somewhere down the track who'll say well thank you for getting all our secondary teachers trained up because after their two years they've popped <laughs> over the border <laughs> I thought it was a, a clever piece of uh, black humour that might be closer to the mark than we think yeah, it might be more truth in it than not. That one, yes. And every time I drive up the road, Russell, and you know I'm a very strong advocate for public education, uh, my, my heart's in it, and I think uh, that's the core strength of an education system, the, the public education system. I, I, I have these thoughts and things, and I look at a car in front of me, it says the education state, and I, I, I just have a thought or two. <laughs> have you seen those signs, the education yeah. state? Yes. On car yeah. registration plates? Was that the latest or is it one of fairly older one? I don't know. Is that what they've got currently? Is it the education state, is it, or something? I don't know, but it's, there's plenty of them still around. My car's still got it on it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. my car's a bit older. But I think, I think given how many people in the teaching profession in Victoria feel that, um, that it's not as good a setup for us as it should be and could be look at that sign and 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 shake their heads at times that's right yes you do that too mm. <laughs> maybe maybe we should have stuck with the garden state or something well jeff kennett had victorians on the move and uh, yeah. they took they took it out on him there with i can just remember the cartoons they're on the move and they're all heading north yeah <laughs> uh, the yeah the wags always have a have a good laugh and 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 they they can they can take the mickey out of almost any government policy from time to time can't they Yes, they can. Yes, and of course, indeed. governments per se do make themselves big targets at times too, don't they? Yep, that's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Now, the Herald Sun, Russell, what's going on here? Well, home is where the smart is. Yes, uh, you drive your electric car into the garage and plug into the charger, or depending on the energy needs of your home, the house might even draw power from your car. Now, this is a glimpse of the future. So we all know that electric vehicles are here to stay and are on the go, but on electric vehicles in the future will be perhaps rooftop solar panels, and, and in the home there will be batteries, and the combination of these two will assist chargers to reduce the charge time. You should just plug it into a PowerPoint overnight sort of thing. And uh, it'll also, they say that if you charge your car at home on sunny days, you will get free car power from the solar roof. Also, many will be able to feed uh, back to the grid or to the home at night, so it'll have the reverse effect. Um, now, EVs are becoming cheaper too. In fact, uh, there, there are 10, this year to date, 10,000 Chinese-made AWTO3 SUVs. They're costing 50,000, which is very competitive price now. Yeah. Uh, now, today's EV batteries apparently will last as long as the car's lifetime. This was the big worry that you'd have to, that they cost a fortune or something and you have to change them every few years. But uh, some retail for $500 and it also will allow for faster home charging. 
Now, um, 50,000 home uh, batteries uh, were installed in 2022, and there has been a total of 19,208 what they call simultaneous installations of panels and batteries. That's up 46% on last year. And um, so it's certainly catching on the, the uh, solar panels and the, the uh, storage batteries. And in fact, they say that the uh, range of EVs in kilometres will be is getting longer too. So some of those doubts that we had about how effective the cars would be might be being uh, solved, mightn't they? Yeah, I mean, five years ago, ten years ago, who would have thought any of this was possible? The technological advances we make are phenomenal. I mean, at our best, we're quite brilliant technologically, aren't we? Yes, we are. Sort of, you just take it for granted, don't you, after a while, that uh, these things come out. Remember the old uh, original... Uh, phones, mobile phones are like bricks, weren't mm. they? Back in the, the mid '90s, I think they came out mm. and uh, great heavy things. But everyone was amazed when someone would bring one out of their case and still fascinated that they can actually talk anywhere. You know? Oh no, I, had, I think I had a Vodafone one first up that I had. And they were big sort of yeah. things. They, you could sort of walk around with them and look impressive, couldn't you? Like that, yeah. there was <laughs> sort of a, a size, a powerful looking sizing. You pull out this great big thing, put it to you, and you could look as though you were, you know, doing something very significant <laughs> compared and to the that, little ones by our ears now. And you'd remember back in the 50s, remember Dick Tracy, that detective, he could actually talk into his watch and we'd laugh at that. That's that right. And now, now on the smart watches, you can in fact take calls on your watch. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Now what's this about uh, uh, melatonin misunderstood as a natural sleeping pill, but clock setter? For others, Russell, this is in the age. Melatonin is a hormone, a chemical signal that the body uses to regulate its disparate cells and processes. Research shows that it is not, as has been claimed, a natural sleeping pill. What's going on there, Russ? Yeah, well, some people might be a bit surprised at that uh, finding, but uh, mm. yes, uh, the, just the melatonin is mainly manufactured by the pineal gland in the in the brain, and then circulates in the bloodstream, interacting with the brain and organs. And uh, now it is it is at peak output when in darkness, and uh, the reverse is true in the sunshine. Now, melatonin uh, keeps our body clocks in sync with each other and the time of the day. Uh, now, many think it is good for going to sleep. You mm. often hear people saying, oh, swear by melatonin to have a good night's sleep. But Associate Professor Sean Kane of the Monash University says, it does make you more drowsy, but it doesn't turn your consciousness off. And he says it's not a powerful sleeping agent. In fact, the evidence shows that melatonin supplement is not good at sending us to sleep. Now, they did a study, it was rather small, only 254 people back in 2005, and found yep. it re reduced the time to fall asleep by only four minutes and increased one's sleep length time by 12 minutes. And it also, it also has a weak hypnotic effect, but not that strong, and is no good for anyone suffering from chronic insomnia. So, uh, but apparently it is good, though, for um, other things. Uh, like you were saying, this business about... Um, uh, a clock setter. Mm. As a clock setter, it's helpful for, de for delayed sleep onset disorder. So it's especially good for jet lag, and that's where some people like it for that too. Now, interestingly, those on a placebo in some of these researchers who have chronic insomnia actually yep. improved on them, and they think it may have been uh, they, maybe because they thought, thought they could have had melatonin, or they maybe expected it might have been mind over matter a little bit there, mightn't it? Yeah, and it's also apparently very helpful in treating jet lag as the clock setter rather than the sleeping agent. 
Yes, because uh, you, your time, your body clock gets out of sync with real time, etc. And uh, apparently, this melatonin helps to bring it back. And you, I've heard of that. People say they have it on the planes on a long distance trip, don't they? They melatonin. do. They do. They do. Very interesting. That it's amazing how many things we take for granted as knowledge, and then you find out with a bit more research that uh, it's a furphy. That's another word you checked out some years ago. I know. And uh, and uh, do you remember what a furphy was? Uh, isn't it an old water drum or something, a water carrier or something? Uh, because um, do you know what it is originally? No, but I know that what it is now. I left that yeah. to you. I think, yeah, I just know that it means that it's a, it's a myth, a furphy. Uh, oh, yeah, yes, that's yeah. what it means. Yeah, but, but I think what I, it, was it originally a can or something? Yeah, I think it was a, I think hence the brand the of beer with that same name was using furphy. that uh, uh, that's how it came. It was a water or a liquid carrier, I think. Uh, you know, big one. Yeah. Oh, wonderful! I, well, we've 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 we've, we've <laughs> worked it. I'll check it out when we're off air, Russell, and I'll confirm whether you're right or not. But you you're uncannily accurate with these sorts of things. Electric vehicles. What are they up to? Yes. Well, uh, we talked about electric vehicles a minute ago. We're in another mm, in another setting. Uh, well, from the Herald Sun, more than 260 new lithium, cobalt, nickel and copper mines will be needed to meet global demand for minerals-intensive electric vehicles and energy storage batteries. And now, now, according to the Minerals Council of Australia, Australia is number one globally for recoverable nickel, zircon, rutile, which is titanium, I believe, uranium, gold and zinc, as well as being a world leader in copper, bauxite, cobalt, tungsten, vanadium and manganese, all those sort of important metals. Now, the South Australian Energy and Mining Minister, Tom Kutsatonis, said people naively believed the transition to renewables would end mining. I think I was in that little category at one stage that you the mines were going to have to close. Yeah, probably were. However, electricity does need lots of copper, apparently, to replace the fossil fuels, petrol and diesel, and so there's not enough copper or lithium, which they need for the batteries, to build vehicles of the future. So mining is a necessity for the critical minerals, they say. Now, there's hundreds of disused mines being exploited again for the hunt for these critical minerals. They're looking at the uh, leftover residue or tailings for the uh, maybe the... the um, you know, the nickel or the uh, zirka or any one of these metals, particularly. Yes. Uh, so that's interesting, isn't it? And yeah. um, BHP can produce 50,000 tonnes of copper a year from northern South Australia. And they say that the mining of copper uh, now will provide new jobs, skills, local business opportunities, as well as enhance economic growth. So it's the lithium, isn't it, which is important for the batteries, for instance. Absolutely, Russell, and a great another use. Um, electric vehicles linked to uh, the fueling uh, mining because of the needs uh, for electric vehicles uh, of some of those um, rare metals. The odd spot, Russell, this one would have been, I think, one of those ones that you'd never forget if you were there when it happened. <laughs> I saw it on TV. That Did you? River of red. Yes. My God. A, a town in Portugal was painted red when 2.2 million litres of red wine flowed through the streets of uh, São Lourenço de Barjou. I looked oh, up the pronunciation I'm glad you, of that. I'm glad you looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> After two tanks containing the vino exploded. Footage of the red flood uh, bar barreling down a steep hill and through the streets of a small town in northern Portugal have been shared online this week. An environmental alert was raised by officials as the fire department diverted the flow from uh, Lavira 
Dist- distillery away from the Sertima River, another pronunciation I looked up, and into, a f- <laughs> and into a field. But the basement of a home near the winemaker was flooded. I wonder if I wonder if anybody bothered to scoop some up in a few bottles because it would have been a river, a torrent. Yeah, probably you could decamp the top layer of it anyway, the top surface, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, you probably could, and I wonder, I wonder, wonder um, what what's gone on over there with the the local folks if they had an increased surge in 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 drunkenness, for example, Russell. (laughs) (laughs) No such luck here in Australia. Russ, that takes us out for this week, as always, a good one. And uh, furfies and umpteenth, uh, (laughs) uh, two great words that we've relived from the past. Well, you have a great weekend and we will catch you in three weeks because we've got the uh, holiday break coming up and we take our short little break.